Welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, if you missed last week's podcast, uh, shame on you. It's the best one of the year, but uh, you can find it uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Travis Crins joining me here. Travis, are we, at some point we're getting all these on iTunes, right? Do you want them on iTunes? I, I, I mean, possibly. We might have to we might have to edit the swearing out, which could uh No 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 no. <laughs> you just put on there. You just put on there, there might be some swearing on there. <laughs> and some unpopular takes. Yeah, I mean yeah, some swearing involved. This is like Howard Stern podcasting, except not nearly as bad and better probably. Not quite that bad. Not quite that bad, no. Uh, you want this one to be the first one? No, I don't know. We we could see. We could see I I'd almost put the uh the uh, last. last week, possibly. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll figure this out here. Uh, we can get that done in, in quick order. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what we're going to talk about here. I mean, there's not a lot going on. Oh, except the NCAA tournament. Uh, first round, didn't see a lot of upsets. Uh, we gave you a few upsets, too many perhaps. But uh, second round, definitely saw some upsets. And most of the upsets, we kind of thought possibly could happen. And now we have uh, two things that we've taken away from this tournament. One, never pick Villanova to go to the Final Four again. Never, Never, Never. ever, ever. Can't do it. And two, pick Xavier to win at least two games. Absolutely. uh, Xavier had a rough regular season. Lost more games than I thought they would. Injuries and, uh, were a major part of that. Yep. And uh, more times than not, they usually won a couple games. And uh, Villanova, same old Villanova. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they. But to be fair, I think we we even talked about it too last week. Teams that were were seeded improperly, they're under seeded. Yep. Wichita State. Probably shouldn't have been a 10 seed having to face Kentucky in the second round. That was a very good game. Uh, Wisconsin being an 8 seed while Minnesota's a 5 seed. That probably shouldn't have happened. Uh, and so Wisconsin, their style of play, they took down, they took out Villanova. When Villanova led 57-50, to 50, I felt pretty comfortable saying, okay, Villanova's got this. Uh, I don't think Wisconsin could come back, or at least if they do, Villanova will answer. But Villanova took some bad shots, and Wisconsin, to their credit, started making it. And Nigel Hayes was a mismatch nightmare, I thought, uh, for Villanova. Because he, he just took over the game for Wisconsin when they needed him most. Yeah, kind of like you. Wisconsin was up most of the uh, most of the game. And then Villanova went out and run there. And they like, all right, this is where Villanova puts them away. And they scored, what, five playoffs toward 15-5 with the last few minutes. And they still had a chance to win at the end. But, uh, yeah, Wisconsin, uh, they, they were the best team in the Big Ten for much of the year. Yes. But um, last two, three weeks, they lost, you know, five, five in a row or so. And uh, got to go in again, reach the, reach the championship game of the Big Ten tournament. And um, they usually do pretty well, Wisconsin does in the tournament. Yes, so, they do. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, if it wasn't completely Stunning, like the Duke loss. I thought the Duke loss was stunning. Yes. Villanova losing to Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin was obviously more than capable of doing that. Yep. We'll get to the Duke 
game in a moment because I have some strong thoughts and I no, feel no, like you, yeah. I, I feel like I'm on an island here not quite lonely yeah. island but uh, and I know I won't be able to persuade you or sway you uh, in my direction here much like the uh, Mark Cuban argument we had or a uh, discussion we had a few weeks ago sure. but uh, I, I do think there is something that needs to be done by the NCAA but a multitude of other things to get to regarding the tournament here uh, we'll talk about officiating here uh, in a little bit. Uh, some of the other good games from the second round, because really there was nothing from the first round that was all that intriguing. Princeton Notre Dame perhaps had the the best finish, and by finish I mean Princeton had a shot to win it at the buzzer. That was really the only game in the first round where you could say, oh yeah, this was a this was real exciting down to the end. Uh, we thought we might get that from Marquette, South Carolina. And then South Carolina didn't miss a shot in the final six minutes, and Marquette, uh, their three-point shooting went away. South Carolina blew them out by 20. Uh, any other first-round games that really made you say, huh, uh, there were a lot of good first halves, and then teams would go on a run. And I think that's kind of the storyline of this NCAA tournament is so, so far is runs. One team makes a run, the other team makes a run. And it just if you have a lead early on, Keep putting your pedal to the keep putting the pedal to the metal, the foot on the throat, and kill the team right away. Don't give them any chance, any hope of making a comeback. I would say uh, Michigan Oklahoma State was a very good game. Yes, that was an outstanding game. Um, yeah, there weren't a whole lot of weren't a whole lot of first round games that were real memorable. But uh, yeah, the runs. I mean, the the Purdue Iowa State second round game. Yes. Was was good. Purdue was dominating. They were up seventeen. They put Swanigan on the bench. Um, they maintained the lead, and then Iowa State went absolutely nuts on a run. And they maybe were a little late to get Swanigan back out there. Whether or not that would have mattered at all, but Purdue very fortunate to get out of that game with the win. Yeah, because Iowa State um, had the lead momentarily in that game. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the five twelves never happened. Um, Middle Tennessee won, but they were favored by a point, point and a half. So it's hard. That's, I mean, that, that was not an upset, point spread wise. And we can so, blame uh, Charles uh, Barkley for UNC Wilmington losing to Virginia. Sure, sure. And Wilmington let the lights out in the first uh, 10, 15 minutes of that game, and then Virginia uh, put him to bed after that, and then Virginia quit playing for the rest of the tournament. So that's <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, they, Florida goes on a 21 nothing run in that second round game against Virginia. The run had more points in it, Florida's run did, than Virginia had total points at that time, which is, I, I find to be one of the more interesting stats of the tournament. Yes. I mean, they had 17 points at the half, and then they didn't score that game for, I think, 13 plus minutes from the, uh, the final 10, 11 minutes of that first half and the first three minutes or so. They didn't score a bucket. A point, free throw, nothing. Yeah, I'm so glad that they're out of the tournament because <laughs> they're terrible. They're terrible to watch. They're not good for basketball. Yeah, it, it, you said we are so close to a Virginia Wisconsin oh. matchup, and that would have been the the game that would have ended college basketball altogether. And Wisconsin uh, a lot better than they used to be. Yes, I'll give them that. Uh, Virginia's terrible. Uh, Miami's just almost as bad. Yeah. I'm glad that. Michigan State 
put the boots to, to Miami, Miami garbage. Well, we're talking we're talking about runs, and that game was a run right there. Miami gets out to a 17-5 lead, and all of a sudden, then Michigan State says, oh, yeah, we're Michigan State. We're probably better than the Hurricanes, and they end up winning by 20, 79-59. That's, that's an amazing run right there. They outscored uh, Miami down the stretch 74-42. to That's amazing. It did not look good there for Michigan State, and uh, they blew them out. I, I, I just don't like how how can teams USC the perfect example. Yes, down in every game, make uh, comebacks all year long. Apparently, Providence was up seventeen. There were two different uh, runs of twenty-four points in that game. USC was up early seven. Providence they were up seventeen. Then they were down seven at the end. And it's how can how can two teams over the course of a game two halves be outscored by 24 points. It's just a little, a little consistency is all I ask. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And that's why I say you got to put the pedal to the metal, the foot on the throat. Uh, I, I don't know if, if it's on the players or if it's on the coaches more because they have to be able to say, hey, guys, let's we're doing good, but let's keep doing what we're doing. And case in point two with USC – uh, that game against SMU, that's another one of the better games of the first round. But SMU had a 10-point lead. It was 53-43. to 43. I'm feeling good about it because I have SMU in the Sweet 16. They're looking outstanding. I like Shake Milton. He was knocking down threes. Uh, Osemele was doing his thing down low. And then all of a sudden, USC said, okay, we're down by double digits. It's, fine. it's time to start playing. They knocked down some threes. SMU's uh, up by one, uh, up by two, and their guy steps out of bounds. Like, are you kidding me? USC hits a three to take a one-point lead, and then SMU puts up a terrible shot at the end. You probably need to get something going a little faster, a little quicker than what they did. Uh, but that was a really good game in the tournament. And I'm just gonna say right now, if a lot of the player, if the majority of the players come back for USC, because I think they're a fairly young team, I like them a lot next year. Uh, I'm sure our friend David Schottenkirk would will love to hear me say that, but this is a really good USC team. I'll believe you on that. I'll, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you jump on that bandwagon. Um, I'm not saying Final Four, but uh, they're going to be a th- uh, definite threat. They will be better next year than Oregon will. Yes, they are going to be my Oregon team. That's assuming that Dylan Brooks leaves. I mean, Chris Boucher is gone. He's a senior. I don't know if Dorsey will. That that Pritchard kid for Oregon is pretty good. But uh, if if Brooks and Dorsey leave, then let me say that USC will be – I can't quite say my Oregon because that would mean that I would put them in the Final Four, but they are a team that I would definitely jump on the the wagon with, assuming they keep – the majority of their players. Okay. Uh, speaking of runs, Arkansas had a good run against Carolina. They were down, what, 20 points or something? There's 30 to, to 13, on. yep. And Arkansas damn near won that game. So, I don't know, I don't know what it was. But, uh, yeah, lots of runs. And uh, I had some, uh, I looked some stats up there as far as uh, teams that make the second round and all that stuff. And um, I'll get that here in a bit. But, yeah, it was... It was a very unique tournament. I don't remember any first round like this, where there were so few, so few upsets, so few single digit, single digit, uh, double digit seeds moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, saw that for the second year in a row. 
It's 15 major conference teams and Gonzaga in the second round or in the uh, Sweet 16. And we, so the second, yeah. Yeah, oh, go ahead. So, so, so for the second year in a row, we have you know, we have no Cinderella. We have uh, the Cinderella this year is South Carolina. I don't, I don't believe they've ever made it this far. Nope, they have not. So, uh, I mean, and to your point regarding the, the lack of upsets, even two of the double-digit seeds that won, Rhode Island and Middle Tennessee, were expected to win by most people. I mean, people at least who were paying attention to Rhode Island during their Atlantic 10 run knew, like, when they got the pairing with Creighton, I'm like, okay, this is an easy 11 to pick. I mean, we're looking for one 11 to win this year. That's who you pick. Another thing regarding USC, quickly, they played in the playing game. Every team that has played in the playing game has won at least one game in the NCAA tournament. So remember, I'm remembering that for next year. I'm going to take one of the playing teams. I don't know who, but I got to take them. Uh, perhaps the the biggest. There were two storylines in uh, in games. One involved in the first round games. One involving the officiating, and one involving. Perhaps one of the dumbest things a player will ever do. Uh, so we'll, we'll save the officiating for for a little bit later. But uh, Matthew Davis Fisher, Fisher Davis, uh, the dyslexia is setting in for me. Uh, it was a long, long weekend of watching basketball. But Matthew for, uh, for Vanderbilt, they are trailing by 15 in the game against Northwestern, and they make a run, speaking of runs. They have a 66-65 lead, and it was in large part because of Matthew Fisher. I think it's Fisher Davis. And he had 23 points in the game. Vanderbilt gets a 66-65 lead. There's 14 seconds left. The The heavy Northwestern pro crowd is like, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose. This is uh, terrible. And for whatever reason, Matthew decides to intentionally foul Bryant McIntosh. And Bryant McIntosh is a pretty good free throw shooter. He's the best player on Northwestern, uh, maybe apart from Lindsley. But intentionally following with when you're up one, he said after the game it was a dumb mistake. He thought they were down by one. Uh, that is inexcusable to me. Uh, you got to be able to look at the scoreboard and you, you know, find some place to see the score. You have to know the situation. But... If you look at the video, and I don't know, have you seen the video or the replay of this yet? No, I didn't see his coach going nuts. I mean, you gotta not do that if you're him. You're right, but you can see uh, Coach Drew. He's waving his arm like, "Hey, go, go!" And it in a moment, I in a in that prisoner of the moment situation, I can see where if you're if you're him, you're like, "Oh, my coach is saying go follow him." But still, then you and you look, and then it's like, oh no, just get back, get back. That's what Coach Drew was saying. But I can understand where he misinterpreted what Coach was saying. But at the same time, again, you still have to know the situation. That was the most boneheaded play, the most probably boneheaded play we'll see all tournament long, because Northwestern won because of that play. Yeah, you can't do that no matter what the coach is doing, whether. I don't know, maybe they thought they had a foul to give or something. Yeah, I don't know what they did. They just go to the free throw line to take the lead. They mm -hmm. have plenty of time. They have plenty of time to look at the scoreboard and say, hey, we're up one. Um, I don't think Northwestern had any timeouts left, so they had no. to go. 
right away. So that's why the coaches tell them, let's go. We got to get back. They're not going to call a timeout. They got to go. Um, so it's a dumb call, and there's no there's no excuse for that. You have to know, okay, we're at the free throw line. We're down one. If we make these two, we're going to be up one. It's not that difficult. You got to figure out, okay. But there's so many timeouts at the end of these games. You'd assume, well, what the hell, what, I mean, what the hell do you tell the player? Yeah, we, we tell them how many timeouts we have. Tell them you can run the baseline. You can't run the baseline. Tell them, you know, we, we can foul. We can't foul. Tell them, it, it, it doesn't seem like you have to tell them these, these things. But if I was a coach, I probably would, just because you never know what dumbass is out there that, that doesn't know what the hell's going on. Well, still, though, this, this is Vanderbilt. Well, there, there are situations... Um, there was a situation, I think, in the, in the South Carolina game. I think there was a situation in a uh, South Dakota high school championship game this week. Uh, late, late game situation where it's it's literally literally a situation where don't even guard a guy because there's so little time left and they're up by so many points. There's no possible way uh, they can come back. They're up, you know, like seven points with ten seconds left. And there I see guys like uh, some guy got fouled on a three-point shot. Don't even guard them. Don't even jump to block the shots. Just let them do whatever the hell they want. I know it goes against your instincts and all that. Don't do anything. Right. Just let them run down the floor and shoot. If they make it, it doesn't matter. Well, you don't want to give them an easy. You don't want to give them an easy layup. You want to make sure that, that they try matter. a jump no. shot. No, no. Don't do anything. Don't defend them. Don't do anything. Because the worst thing you can do is follow them and they make a shot. Where you go to the free throw line. If you're up late in the game. You know, if you're up seven with ten seconds to go. Oh yes, yes. I'm sorry. I thought I, I thought we were talking about like with Vanderbilt here when they were up by no, one. No, no. Not the close. I mean, you have to defend there, obviously, because yeah. the basket wins it. But if you're up three possessions with ten seconds to go, yes. don't do anything. Right. Let them shoot. Let them score. It doesn't matter. Yep. No, I I mean complete agreement with you there. Complete agreement with you. Uh, second round though, we we already talked about Wisconsin upsetting Villanova. An upset that I think people are somewhat surprised about, and I don't know why. Michigan over Louisville. Uh, we talked about this Midwest region being the teams with that have. It's just was the region with teams that disappoint routinely, and Louisville is right there among them. And I've been I've saying it all year. I don't trust Louisville. Their offense isn't very good. They go through long periods where they don't score. Their free throw shooting is terrible. And a hot shooting team, a, a team that's on a roll right now, like Michigan, can get the better of them. I, I mean, I common sense would say to pick Louisville, and certainly I think you had to do it for the most part in these situations. Well, but well, you didn't, and I didn't in a couple of mine. But uh, well, you goddamn. <laughs> but for people who are freaking out that Louisville lost. I, I just don't see. I don't know. Understand why you're freaking out because this, you could see this coming a mile away. Yeah, the resume is really good. They're probably, what they get three seed in the tournament, three seed in the uh, ACC tournament. Probably the third, the second best team in the conference behind Carolina this year. Take their whole what they've done. Defensively, they're really good. They're really tall. They get a lot of block shots. They get a lot of rebounds. And they were. Dominating Michigan um, for much of that game, they went on a little eight nothing run or whatever it was at the end of the first half to take a tie game up eight at half, and then they just kind of maintained that eight to ten point lead for the second half, and then just like the Duke game uh, a couple of weeks ago in the ACC, 
champion of the tournament, they just fell apart, and they couldn't do anything, and they couldn't stop Duke, you know, they couldn't stop Michigan. Again, this was this was another game where one team uh, was better for 30 minutes, and then Michigan was better for the final 10. Yes. And, um, yeah, I have Michigan winning one more game here, so if I do well in the tournament, it's probably going to be because Michigan uh, did well as well. Wichita State and Kentucky was a really good game. Good from a defensive standpoint. It wasn't one of these games where you're like, oh my gosh, neither team is playing all that well. This was a very intensive defensive game. Uh, Malik Monk was in a funk. Uh, I thought Willis was the guy who really kind of propelled Kentucky in this game with some of his threes from the outside. Uh, De'Aaron Fox really didn't do a whole lot. Uh, They had another big in there who did some things. Uh, Bam Adebayo. Oh, Bam, yeah. Yep, yep. He, him and I, I was thinking there was someone else too, but maybe I'm, I'm thinking of a different game. But, uh, yeah, Bam Abadayo, he's very good. Uh, but Kentucky doesn't really, they didn't really impress me in these first two games. But Wichita, I mean, it's a tough game against Wichita State. Uh, Wichita State played well, but ultimately Kentucky just a little more talented and they were able to escape. Like, Kentucky and Kansas were kind of the same in conference play to me. They were probably the best team in the conference, but they were they were just getting by. They weren't blowing teams out, and they were just getting by, and they probably should have lost a couple more games than they actually did lose. And I don't, yeah, I had Wichita State winning this game, and it came down there, and they did, didn't, couldn't get a shot off there in their last two possessions. Two block so three, yeah. Great defense by Kentucky, but you got to get a shot off there. I believe there was a missed... Speaking of the goaltending we'll talk about soon, I'm sure there was a missed goaltending call early in that game that would have benefited Wichita State. It was pretty obvious that was missed. Mm-hmm. That would have given an extra two points, which was really important at the end. Um, yeah, but, but Kentucky, I really don't have any faith that they'll beat uh, UCLA. Who was the more disappointing team in the second round, or I guess in the NCAA tournament overall? Notre Dame or Florida State? Both are from the ACC. I will give it to Notre Dame because they looked they looked bad in both games. Florida State at least played, you know, competent against Florida Gulf Coast in a game that we had talked about could be that potential 14-3 upset. But but they got blown out then by Xavier by 25, which to me is staggering. Uh, Which team disappointed more? Uh, I'll say Notre Dame as well. I thought if Notre Dame played the way they could have, they could have challenged Gonzaga. I think West Virginia's got a good chance to beat Gonzaga. Still think Gonzaga wins. But that's... Well, they would have played there. It would have been a tough game for Gonzaga. But Notre Dame, they didn't play at all well this entire tournament. Didn't play well against Princeton. Didn't play well against West Virginia. I was waiting for them to make a run mm-hmm. that entire game. And they never did. Nope. And uh, they, they get within, you know, two, three points. I'm like, all right, this is it. And um, I ended up losing my double digits. So it's... Uh, Notre Dame, very frustrating team. They got up to a great start in the first couple of weeks of the a- uh, ACC, kind of fell off after that. And then they go on and they make the uh, conference title game for what second year in a row. No, and yeah. um, very, uh, very, very up and down team. Arizona St. Mary's was a good game. Just looking through the rest of the first round, uh, Gonzaga Northwestern. Wasn't a good game for much of it, and then Northwestern made a run. Baylor-USC was a good game. We, we talked about them with the runs. Uh, Butler took care of Middle Tennessee State. UCLA took care of Cincinnati. Uh, 
Kansas took care of Michigan State. So we'll get to the Sweet 16 games overall. Where would you like to, I guess, start first? Would you like to, well, I guess we really only need to talk about the officiating then of this tournament, or do you want to uh, focus on South Carolina and Duke? First, we do officiating first. Okay. But before that, yes. uh, in the uh, first round, there were two games that were pick-ems, toss-ups playing Marquette, South Carolina, and uh, Arkansas State Hall, there were toss-ups. So I'm not counting those. But the favorites, point spread-wise, in the first round were 26-4. and four. Not necessarily that they covered the spread, but that they won outright. Um, Miami was favored. They lost. SMU lost. Vanderbilt lost. Maryland lost. So 26-4 and four the favorites were. Um, losses from the top five seeds in the first round. Minnesota was the only top five seed to lose in the first round. Yep. Uh, last year we had five of them lose, plus three 11 seeds won. It was beating six seeds, so it doesn't even count. Uh, two years ago, we only had two. That was when Baylor and Iowa State both lost. Uh, two years ago, we had four. One year, we had six. One year, we had five. So about four to five per year. These last five years lose. Only had one of them lose. And the, uh, the 11th... Yes. The 11s are beating the 6s at a much higher rate over the last few years. Like, the 11s have a, an above 500 record in the NCAA tournament over 6s here, I think, over the last five or six years. Yes, yeah, anything, you know, anything better than a 13 seed, it's basically a very winnable game. Um, there were five double-digit seeds in the second round this year. Last year, there were 10. Before that, there were five. Years before that, there were seven, eight, and nine. So, again... Very low on the double-digit seats for the last five or six years. But at the same time, the bubble was extremely weak this year, so is this really all that surprising? <clears throat> well, who are, who, are, who are our bubble teams? USC, they ended up uh, winning. Providence. Uh, Providence uh, should have won. Like there, there, there are no mid-majors, though. There's no mid-major bubble teams. Right. They're all power conference teams, so um, and there's just I don't know what's happened, um, but the but the mid major is not around anymore. There's no two mid leagues anymore. I think that will that can change, but college basketball is going to have to change to reflect that. You know, the, it, I heard a bunch of stuff, a bunch of talk during the Ohio Valley tournament about uh, AAU basketball and how that's hurting the college game, or all these transfers from the from the the mid-major programs these really good players like say a Mike Dom from South Dakota State they could leave and go to a bigger program versus some of these guys from the larger programs coming to make a difference on a mid-major team so college basketball's got to figure that out got to make a change there but until they do that then yeah I think I think the mid-major eventually will make a comeback but uh, in, until then, we're probably going to see it. What about the Summit League possibly getting two teams next year with USD and SDSU? I think no, it, no, 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 no. I mean, I just I know I I, I got to see it in the RPI, and neither of those teams are even close. Like if they do what the women did, then sure. Yes. And you saw how the women got shafted. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, if, if they do have, if the Summit League were to have four teams in the top 70, 75 RPI, then sure, uh, they have an argument. But 
we're way we're not even close to that. I mean, SDSU. I mean, look how bad they were this year, and they won the entire conference. So, um, yeah, some yeah, some league, no, never, never unless something changes. By the way, and, speak, uh, speaking of South Dakota State, they lose sixty six to forty six to Gonzaga. Uh, they started out well. I mean, they led the first 18 minutes of the first half, got out ahead 8-2, to two, but a lot of missed shots in that first half that maybe could have changed the complexion of the game against Gonzaga. Uh, I mean, they, they, they came out with a really sound defensive strategy and said, hey, uh, Gonzaga is not going to beat us from the paint. We're going to make him shoot from the three, from beyond the arc, and Gonzaga is terrible at that, and it showed at least in the first game. But ultimately, athleticism won out, and the fact that SDSU really has no second scoring option besides Dom, and even on when Dom had a slow night, he still finished with 17 points, uh, missed layups and everything. So overall, uh, SDSU they covered. If you bet on them, I told you that they would lose by 20. So I feel good about that. That they were the, they were the, that that margin of victory for Gonzaga was the lowest of any of the one seeds. So. Kudos to SDSU for that. Uh, I do expect better, bigger and better things for them next year and the next year here with Don. But you got to be able to get a score. You absolutely need a second score to take the pressure off of Don because Reed, after hitting that first shot, missed his last nine or ten. I mean, he was awful. Uh, they need him to be consistent. That that was ultimately the difference. They just could not have a. They didn't have a second option. It really was. One of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen. Yes. In the tournament game. 44 points, uh, 20 and a half. It really hits what? Nobody even came close, I don't think, to challenging low 40s. It was an abysmal offensive performance. It's not like they didn't have wide open shots. They just couldn't hit anything. Right. And, you know, it was, it was not good. And they had, they had more than ample opportunity to, uh, to make that a game. And honestly, they should have been ahead by 10 points and a half. Yep. Is, is what, and uh, they weren't. So, yeah, you know, all the uh, all the one seeds took care of business in the second half. They turned it on and said, all right, we're done uh, screwing around here. And they beat everybody by 25, 30 points. So. Yep. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about some of this officiating here. Uh, first round, I would say the most notable – problem with the officiating it occurred in the Seton Hall Arkansas game Seton Hall once again flounders down the stretch they are they have become my new Georgetown in that I am never going to pick them even though they're not as highly seated as Georgetown I just don't trust them anymore but they they're down they they miss a shot they need to intentionally follow and uh, I believe it was Desi Rodriguez Committed a hard foul, an intentional foul on Barford of Arkansas, and yeah, two hands. Was it was it a play on the ball? Not really, but what intentional fouls ever are at the end of a game? The feet get tangled up. Barford spills to the ground, and the officials take a look at it and declare it a flagrant one. And they were talking about it on the telecast like this could be a flagrant one, but. You know, hopefully they won't do it, and then they did. And it's just like, are you kidding me? And that in an, in effect ended Seton Hall's chances of coming back in that game. Uh, terrible officiating in that situation. And even it's so bad they even had to look at it, and I still couldn't tell. But the guy tripped over his foot. 
it was a bad call, and it did decide the game there. Two free throws, I think they made both, and they got the the other two free throws in the ball, and you know it was not good. Got to be more aware than that. And, and um, and again, not saying Seton Hall would have won the game, but they would at least have had a chance to tie or make it more of a game. One? Yeah, yeah, got, if they were down. If, if, it's, if it was called the way it should have been, should have been a normal foul, then they would have been at worst down three with the ball with the chance to tie. Yep. And uh, that did not happen. So. Yeah, so that was, was bad. Uh, I would say that was the worst call of the first round, uh, unless I missed something else. I mean, it is. I mean, you have games on four channels, so you're trying to flip back and forth to all the action, good action, and you might miss some things here and there. But I believe that was really the most egregious call of the first round, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, second round, we had a few more incidents uh, start on Saturday. Northwestern is making a comeback against Gonzaga, and they're going in. I, this It's going to be a shot. If it falls, they're going to be down by three. And Gonzaga gets the, the rejection. Uh, or I don't know if it was rejected or not, or maybe just hit off the rim. But regardless, Gonzaga got the rebound, and Chris Collins... Uh, Northwestern's head coach loses his mind. And I'm like, oh, why is he losing his mind right there? Because I didn't see it initially. I don't know if you did. But you, you look at the replay, and Gonzaga, I think it might have been Alex Collins or Zach Collins, the Collins kid for Gonzaga, sticks his hand through the net, and it's clear as day there that you can see it. So, I mean, Collins gets a technical foul, and pretty much that's it for Northwestern at that point. They're not, they lose all the momentum that they had. Uh, Gonzaga is going to take care of business at that point. But uh, I, I don't know how the officials missed that. It, it's terrible. It's, and something needs to change. Because that, you know, I don't know how, if you re, can review that. You, you need to. But it was, it was very clear upon seeing the replay. Yeah, you got to fix that on the replay. I don't know if, he, if the guy made the free throws or not. I know Nigel Williams, uh, it was Nigel Williams-Goss, and I know he missed a couple. I don't know if it was that if it was that necessarily or if that was earlier in the game. Well, it was at least a two-point swing, maybe even a four-point swing there, and ended up losing by, what, seven points or five, five, seven points there. I mean, that was a bad call. That was a game-changing call right there, Northwestern, just getting run off the court that first half and then they they turned it on a great second half and they had the crowd with them and and hopefully Northwestern can be good for a while since they've never been good before I mean that's a call that really is embarrassing I mean you you see the net move his hand was in the basket it was in the basket I mean uh, Chris Collins saw it Chris Collins saw it the uh, nine referees out there didn't see it nope and uh uh, did you see his reaction after the game at the press conference? I did um, not, no. Oh, my heavens. you got to look that up. Um, there's some guy there explaining the uh, that they, in fact, did get the, the call wrong. And he's like, oh, over-exaggerated. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> Which I found funny. Like, oh, really? That's the rule, is it? You can't do that. Hmm. Is that right? It, so I was, uh, I'd recommend that. But at the, at the same time, it's a it's a t- absolutely terrible call and it changes the game. But Collins' actions also change the game because he has to be able to keep his cool. He know he should know better 
than to absolutely lose his his freaking mind. And he was close before that, too. There were a couple of other calls where he was really getting on the refs and coming out on the court. So I think he was on, already on a short leash or a short fuse to begin with. But in in that situation, you cost your team in that in that scenario here. I understand that he's, st- he's sticking up for his guys, but in in that ca- in that situation, yes, it's an absolutely terrible call. But you don't help matters by getting a technical yourself. Hopefully, the referee again, time and situation, and he knows if the coach is that upset, something something happened. Something happened that wasn't right, and hopefully. I don't like the technical foul call. He was on the court quite a ways, but uh, I, I don't like the call because he's, he's, got, I mean, he's got every right to be upset there because that took points off the board for his team. Right. Uh, two possession games. So, I mean, the referee needs to understand, and, and we see it all the time. I don't like it. Make up calls. You'll see a questionable call on one side, and then, oh, what you know what? Quick whistle on the other side. Yes. Offensive foul. And it's like, that's bullshit. Don't do that. That, don't, don't, that doesn't make it right. That fucking doesn't make it right, so don't do that. Um, I hate that. I now, absolutely hate that. Co- officiating in college basketball is already bad. Uh, it, it maybe was better this year because they they took some of the... They made the block charge call a little more clear, but still, when you get calls like this, and then you get the charge in the North Carolina-Arkansas game where, I mean, there or no call... I mean, shouldn't there have been a call on Barry there if you're going to call a charge? I mean, that, that to me, how, how is that no call there? That's a, that's terrible. Yeah, the block charge, that's... A lot of the time, I would just like to see it go. Uh, De'Aaron Fox for Kentucky had one at half court. They called it on him, which I thought was the right call. But a lot of the time, I would just like to see it just go. You know, the guys are flopping around. Uh, they don't deserve the call most of the time. Um, a lot of the time, I would just say, play on. You fell on your own, um, just just continue to play. No fall on anybody. Yeah. It, it, and then it's... if you do that, and if you do that, I mean, they, they, they flop and they do that because they know they're going to get a call. If you don't call it, then they'll probably stop trying to flop around. Yeah. And then there was a call, I think, it, or, or there was no call in the Iowa State-Purdue game Saturday. It looked like the guy, I mean, just – absolutely got pushed down and slid across the floor and there was no call there. So maybe they were saying he embellished it and it was kind of a flop. But, I mean, those are the three worst calls. Are there any other calls that we've maybe missed or at least just really the ones that make you question the, I don't say the integrity of the officials, but just officiating in general for this NCAA tournament in college basketball overall? No, those were the main ones at the end of the games that were not good, that cost teams points. Those were the most egregious ones. I mean, there's calls every game that are bad, but those were the ones that uh, that were really bad, really, really bad. And and the, the one final point on the officiating, um, not playing the ball in that Arkansas seat hall call, every, almost every foul at the end of the game, they're not playing the ball. They're just wrapping guys up, tugging on their jerseys. They're not playing the ball. Uh, what uh, Lapis, Steve Lapis uh, said during the uh, one of the games with the Northwestern Gonzaga game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, intentional foul, they fouled them before they got it in bounds. One of the games off of Salt Lake City. And by the, I mean, that's an intentional foul. They are intentionally fouling, so the wording needs to be changed. Not an intentional foul, 
uh, a foul with more force than is necessary. Right. Yeah, unnecessary problems. They fouled before the inbounds pass even came. How is that not an like a flagrant foul or flagrant one? And the other one, it, yeah, it just it makes no sense. By the way, did you know Julie Louise Dreyfus? Uh, best known as hey, Elaine hey, hey. from Seinfeld. Hey, Apparently, hey. she went to Northwestern. I wouldn't have known that if no, I hadn't. No, it, no, no. I, I mean, her kid, something. Her, her kid. But regardless, uh, I mean, I I didn't know she was affiliated with Northwestern. Did you? After this tournament, I do. Yeah. Uh, and all of the ones like the Seth Myers and the Stephen Colberts and the Mike Greenbergs and Michael Wilbons of oh, yeah. the world. Uh, I, it was it was very good. They had a home crowd advantage in Salt Lake City, but then again, it's the first time that Northwestern had ever made the tournament. People are excited, so kudos to them. Kudos to them. Yeah, at least they show up because none of the other other schools really show up to games. Right. Good for them. And this is in Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois, and they're traveling all the way out to Salt Lake City for this game. So that was great. That was like a home crowd atmosphere. The same can be said. For the Greenville, South Carolina Regional, South Carolina, the seven seed, takes on, they take on Marquette. That was a really good game. I texted you during that and said, this has the makings to be the best game of the tournament because the two teams were going back and forth, uh, scoring like crazy. Like I said, Marquette went cold, and South Carolina really heated up, won that game. So South Carolina-Duke comes around. It's a 7-2 matchup. Uh, I mean, Duke's very close. You know, Durham's close to Greenville. Not a problem with that. I mean, the... the region closest to them so naturally as a top two seed you're going to send them there uh north carolina's the one seed they went there as well but i do and listen south carolina wins 88 to 81 they played phenomenal uh this uh sandarius thornwell has become a star of the tournament i don't know where this was all season long for south carolina uh i mean maybe they if they had played like this they wouldn't be a seven seed but they win 88-81. Duke was very sloppy in this game, and South Carolina deserves all the credit in the world for winning this game. And I know I'm probably not going to sway you in this argument, but I think it is an absolute embarrassment that South Carolina, they had the home crowd there. It, How do you let this happen where a seven seed has a home court advantage over a two seed. And I will Oh like why why because would Because you, you have you have the you have the governor of North Carolina sign a law that was passed that prohibits transgenders from using the correct bathroom. That's not what happened. Well, yeah, and I get I get why they moved the regional from Greensboro to Greenville. Greensboro, North Carolina, Greensville, South Carolina. But I guess what I'm saying is why wouldn't? Why can't you put uh, South Carolina in Tulsa or uh, Orlando, something like that? I mean, to give a seven seed as big of an advantage in terms of the home crowd, because that's they played really well. I'm not trying to take anything away from what South Carolina did because yeah, you're taking it away from them. You're taking it away. They played really well, and Duke did not. But if you play that on, well, say, a neutral court in in Memphis at FedEx Forum or you know anywhere else, South Carolina doesn't play. They don't win that game. They don't win nine out of ten games against 
they win maybe one game out of 10 games against Duke played on a neutral floor. That crowd was a huge advantage to them, and I can speak from firsthand experience about what a crowd can do for a team because we have seen that in the Summit League tournament with the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Much more on the men's side than the women because the women are always one of the top two seeds, so naturally, I mean, they just have the talent, but they do feed off the crowd as well. But I, if, if SDSU and USD were playing in the, in the semifinals of the Summit League tournament this past season, and they're playing in, let's say, o- Omaha or Des Moines, I don't think SDSU necessarily comes back and wins that game because the crowd helps energize them, helps pushes them. And in and so to be to be frank, sometimes SDSU certainly does have an unfair advantage over other teams in the Summit League when it comes to the Summit League tournament time because SDSU fans come out in grove in groves and they just they they have a huge fan base and huge support because you have a lot of Jackrabbit fans in Sioux Falls and Brookings is only 50 miles away. Here with... with and, go ahead. And then Summit League, it's all about money and they can make the most money holding a tournament in Sioux Falls. So that's why it's here. Yes. Sponsors and ticket sales and 60,000 tickets sold uh, all the time. Yes. And, uh, Greenville, the... Green, yeah. Well, I was just going to say... That's a, And that's similar to this case here. You're putting South Carolina in there. It is the first time that they've been in the NCAA tournament, I think, since the 70s. So th- there's a lot of excitement about South Carolina being in the tournament. So naturally, you're going to have a lot of fans. It's kind of like with Northwestern being in the tournament. South Carolina, though, I mean, yeah, a lot of fans are going to come out. But it's so much closer to home for them. And I just think if you... If you're giving the, if you have the top two seeds like Duke or North Carolina, obviously they've earned that advantage to play close to home. It seems to me then that if we're going to do this with like a seven seed, that th- this is going to set a precedence going forward to make these sites more regional, and you're going to have to. To put teams in, and I'll give you a prime example uh, after I hear your argument. I don't think we'll see. I, I can't. I'm sure I can go through the bracket here in years past. Maybe come up with teams that were closer, even though they were the worst seed. But I, but you know, the the committee should probably have not had them play there. Plenty of other places to play. But Duke was. I mean, Duke was average. Duke was going to play there. Duke or Carolina, mm-hmm. one of those teams is going to play in that little quadrant. Yes. Um, I, mean, I, I have no problem with it. Duke shit to bed. Um, it's funny because Duke played an awful first half against Carolina in Louisville in the ACC tournament. Played a great second half. And in this game, they played a great first half and they played an awful second half. They gave up 65 points. They were outscored 65 to 51. I don't know if that's the highest scoring half. Uh, it's probably not, but it's got to be right up there. Uh, I know Arlington and BYU in the NIT last week had an amazing shootout uh, throughout that entire game. But, I mean, they were, they were ahead by 10 points. you got to put them away. I have no idea how well they didn't put them away. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, has been, this has been Duke all year long. Yep. Uh, they'll play great for a half. They'll play awful for a half. You're... So everybody was on Duke, and I picked them to lose to Villanova in the Elite Eight. And... Um, and it was interesting to see what, what became of Duke because they got hot with the week to go in the season. 
all of a sudden they became the favorite to win the whole damn thing. But they, like you said, they were just too inconsistent for me yep. to pick them to go to the Final Four. Uh, I will say this about the women's side. Uh, Kansas State hosted a game on campus. Manhattan, Kansas. The game was on their home floor. They were a seven seed against Stanford, a two seed. Stanford still beat them by 21 points, so it didn't matter. But uh, you'll see that once in a while on the women's side. Kansas State, uh, Kansas State team hosted Stanford, a seven versus a two. Yeah. That... Well, I will say this. Columbia is about 100 and, 100 and, 100 and 110 miles to Greenville. Uh, Durham's 140 more miles. It's like 240. So, it, like, if a Duke, it's not like it's in Oregon or Utah. If a Duke fan wanted to make the trip, it's a three, three-and-a-half-hour drive. That's 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 a trip. You can make that no problem. I am I am not debating that aspect of you because yeah, I mean it's a short drive for Duke, so I'm not trying to make it sound like Duke had a an astronomically long drive ahead of them, you know, or Duke fans to to have that home court or that, you know, to get a lot of fans down there and a lot of support. But South Carolina, I would think if if you were to pull South Carolina residents. Are, they, are who are they going to cheer for more, South Carolina or Clemson? It's probably closer than I would think, but South Carolina is probably most people's choice choice for that team to cheer for. So just like with In the basketball? Jack, well, yeah, all sports, basketball or all sports. Yeah, I mean either one. I guess if you were to choose a school, I guess just choose a school between South Carolina and Clemson. I'm not saying it's going to be as heavy. Oh, don't ask me because you know what I'd say. But you know. You you would say Clemson, and I, I it, I'm not saying it's nearly as big of a divide as in South Dakota where it's SDSU and USD. I mean SDSU probably has at least eighty percent of the state. I would I would guess maybe seventy five, but they have a higher majority. I would I would guess that Clemson South Carolina is closer. But having said that, I'm sure there are plenty of South Carolina Gamecock fans in Greenville that we're going to go to this game just like SDSU fans in Sioux Falls are going to go to the Summit League tournament. The only thing that I will will say, and again, give South Carolina credit because they played outstanding and Duke did not. But if we are going to do this where you're going to put a seven seed in the state, like just in the, and it's not like South, it's not like South Carolina is a big state like Texas or California. It's relatively small. People can get to South, to Greenville from any part of the state and I would say probably three hours. It's it's not that hard to get to. So if we're going to do this, then you're going to set a precedent where we're going to have to keep doing this sort of thing. So next, I, I looked at some of the sites for next year. Detroit is one of the sites. Let's say that um, Notre Dame... Let's say Notre Dame is the best team in the ACC next year, and they get a one seed, and they're going to Detroit. And Michigan is, again, sort of average. Uh, Yeah, they're good, but they get an eight seed in that same region. And they win their game, and now they play Notre Dame in eight eight versus one. Again, you would think Notre Dame's the more talented team, so they should win, but that crowd will help push could help push Michigan towards that upset. Would they be the better team? More than likely not, but the crowd would help. I just think that that, and I'm just using that as a hypothetical for next year to to just show that 
if the if the NCAA is going to do this for South Carolina this year, you're going to have to do it for future teams next year. And I think that sets up a very dangerous thing for the NCAA tournament. I don't think they will do that. But why did they do it in this situation then? I have no idea. They should not have put them there. But, I don't think they will do this, though. I'd like to go, I don't because I can't remember any offhand um, situations like this. Um, but again, like, like Northwestern, like Gonzaga is a whole hell of a lot closer uh, than Northwestern was to Salt Lake City. Yes. And Northwestern had the crowd and they still lost. But you put, I'd say you put more importance on the crowd than I do in this, in, 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 in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, like Michigan State reached the Final Four in Detroit and they got their ass kicked by Carolina. Um, but do, don't, you, is, don't you think the crowd helped Northwestern in their comeback to a degree? Like in all these games, you know, South Carolina didn't play great in the first half, so the crowd, where was the crowd then? And again, Northwestern probably played the worst half I saw all tournament in the first half, and where was the crowd then? And you know, sure, I'm sure it helps a little bit, but ultimately, you have to make shots and you have to play defense. And yes, it, and again, I want to. I want yeah, to. Bottom line, you you put more importance on the crowd and their impact. Is it worth a few points? Probably. Is it worth, I don't know, 10 points? Is it worth South Carolina being down 10 and then winning by 10? I don't know if it's a 20-point swing like that. I, I think there is just some sort of comfort in having the majority of the crowd behind you. Uh, and again, South Carolina played really well, and Duke did not. So I, I'm not trying to take away from that, but I the crowd certainly helped South Carolina. And I just think that putting them as a seven seed in that region... We, I guess we shouldn't be necessarily surprised by this, the fact that they're in there, because they had a, a distinct advantage playing in their home state than you know, going against a highly ranked Duke team who's perhaps overseeded at two. But still, I guess, again, I, I keep rambling and going on and on, but I just think it, it's a, it was a bad idea to put South Carolina in. That's the bottom line that I'm trying to say. They had an unfair advantage, and that cost Duke in this scenario, in this situation. I would say no matter where the game was played, South Carolina probably wins, just based on what happened. Um, we, I guess we kind of touched on it a little bit last week, but not as extensively as this. Um, I don't think this is going to happen regularly. And... Um, it's not like Duke's never played in a hostile environment. Right. So, like, like if Duke's going to play, if Duke's going to give up 65 points in a half like that, they're not winning any games. Right. No, I, I absolutely. Completely agree with you on that. They played very poorly. Uh, I just, I don't like the fact that South Carolina was given whatever, it, again, even if it was a slight advantage, it's still an advantage for them that no seven seed should probably get when you're facing a two seed in the second round sure. of an NCAA tournament. Sure. So that's that's more or less the argument that I'm trying to make there. But having said that, South Carolina does move on. The Sweet 16 is set. So in the East, which I got to imagine, the NCAA, CBS, Turner Sports, they're very upset with the fact that both Duke and Villanova are gone. 
and the fact that they have UNC, UCLA, and Kentucky all in the same region, which means that only one of those three teams will be able to go to the Final Four, which will hurt television ratings, I would think, slightly, if not significantly. Uh, and the, the arena is going to be filled, maybe, for, in the East region at Madison Square Garden in New York. That's a lot of people. That's I mean, a lot of people. There, but the ticket prices are going to be dirt cheap compared to what they could have been if Duke or Villanova were in this. So here's the matchups: eight seed Wisconsin against four seed Florida. Boy, that gets me. I mean, that gets me excited, Krenz. I, I gotta tell you, it makes me real excited. Uh, people are sitting on Wisconsin. Um, I'm okay with Wisconsin. Villanova's out. I don't like Villanova. This has been made clear for years now. I'm fine with Villanova being out. Um, Wisconsin, Florida's not, not terrible. It's fine. Um, between, you know, watching Villanova in Florida or watching this game, yeah, I really don't have a preference either way. Um, I think Wisconsin wins. I To be different, I'll say Florida, but it's tough to pick against Wisconsin. And then you have Baylor against South Carolina. Again, woo! This is a matchup that screams buy tickets for this one now. I will be curious then now to see how South Carolina plays outside of Greenville. It it pains me to say this, but don't you almost have to go Baylor here? Yeah, but really, I mean, Baylor. I mean, I'm not confident at all in Baylor. They can lose at any time. Um, you know, I. Uh, yeah, you just go with the favorite here because South Carolina, they've never been here before. But, uh, yeah, Baylor's only a three-point favorite. So all these games are toss-ups, basically. Yes. I think. Yep. In the West, in San Jose, California, at HP Pavilion, home of the NHL's San Jose Sharks, the top uh, we have three of the top four seeds, so that's good news there. Gonzaga, the one seed, taking on West Virginia, the four seed. This is a dangerous territory for Gonzaga. West Virginia playing really well right now, and Gonzaga has not played their best. But I gotta think Gonzaga's gonna come away with a victory here. Again, a toss-up game for me. Uh, Gonzaga's a three-point favorite. West Virginia does that. Uh, does that full-court press, and it seems like teams, if they got trouble with that, they're dead. Yep. Uh, teams like just uh, for some reason can't handle that. Sometimes they get more flustered than they should. Uh, yeah, Gonzaga, they gotta play better than they did. If they play like they did the first week, uh, they're gonna lose to West Virginia. Um, again, a lot of these teams have laid eggs. West Virginia's laid some eggs on the year. I'm losing Texas Tech at home. I got Gonzaga going to the Final Four, so I'm going to stick with them here. And I hope to hell that uh, you know, West Virginia, they played two of their better games that they played back-to-back. By the way, West Virginia has a guy, his last name is Carter, I believe. He looks like he's, yep, thir- he looks like he's 35 or 40. Uh, he is old. Frying camp for Wichita State is balding already. Uh, these guys look significantly older than what they actually are. I was hoping that Frank Camp was going to have a Froakman-esque moment in at the game winner against all these McDonald's All-Americans and athletes and NBA players from Kentucky, and this five foot nine inch white guy is going to drain a three to take down mighty Kentucky. That would have been it for me. That would have been that would have been very awesome. Uh, the other game in the West, eleven seed Xavier against two seed Arizona. Uh, I mean, Xavier's playing their best ball 
right now was it blew it this guy is playing outstanding for xavier right now is he gonna blow it in the in this uh game in the sweet 16 game against arizona no arizona is a seven and a half point favorite i'll take those points all day long on the xavier side uh game is in uh what game is where these all these games are at san jose san jose um i think it's gonna be a close game uh i'll give arizona the slight edge but uh Better bring your, uh, better bring your uh, lunch bucket here, because uh, Xavier they'll punch in the goddamn mouth. So yeah. it'll be a, it'll be a game again. All these games should be good. I think it's going to be a one possession game at the end. I'll give it to Arizona, but uh, I'll, I'll use my one. I wouldn't be surprised right here. All right, there we go. That's good. An old stacking adage. We uh, we uh, coined that phrase. Uh, Kansas and Purdue in the Midwest region. This is taking place at the Sprint Center in Kansas City, Missouri. So. Kansas is going to have a significant home crowd and uh, the, the significant home crowd advantage here uh, in terms of number of fans. Purdue, I mean, Caleb Swanigan is playing outstanding basketball. That Then they bring in, you know, you think, oh, okay, well, let's get the big man down. Oh, you're just going to bring in another seven-footer in that Haas fella. Yeah, he's pretty damn good as well. I mean, that, that's going to be a very interesting uh, matchup for Kansas, but they're – they got Josh Jackson who's playing some very good basketball right now. Uh, people are talking about him being the number one overall pick. I think that's uh, just fine there if he can keep his act together, which uh, I don't think he necessarily can. But you got Frank Mason the third. He's very good as well. I'm going to lean towards Kansas here, but uh, Purdue, they scare me. Frank Mason the third has a kid who's 12 years old. Um, again, you know, Big guy, your traditional post player. He should be the poster boy for all post players because he can shoot the three a little bit. He can dribble. Um, there's no reason why if you're a big man, you can't develop that game yourself. He's good at the free throw line. So if they want to go big, they can bring him in. If they want to go small, he's not out of place on the court. So they give him a great advantage down low. He can handle the ball as well. So that's good to see from a big guy and not be one-dimensional. Um, I'll be rooting for Purdue because I don't like Kansas, even though I have them going to the Final Four. Uh, Purdue almost still lost it there against Iowa State. But uh, Swanigan's going to probably have to have a big day. He always gets a double-double, but he's probably going to have to have a big big day right now. And uh, Purdue, they can put up some points. They yes, can put they up can. a lot of points. So um, Kansas, I was very impressed. I don't say that much. I was very impressed with uh, what Kansas did against Michigan State because that was – ripe for an upset for a long time and then they just uh they blew them out there mm-hmm. in that uh, late in that second half and uh, got a got a pretty good distance between them and machine states um but i'll say uh kansas wins five points spread but uh it should be it should be a good game absolutely and then oregon against michigan here uh oregon's defense certainly has taken a hit without chris boucher in there but they're in the they're in the Sweet 16. They took out our Rhode Island Rams, and in, it I look at them. I I would have taken them over Louisville in a in a heartbeat in a New York minute, uh, in a nanosecond, because I don't like Louisville. All of them. All of them. All of them. All of them. Against Michigan, it's going to be very difficult because Michigan shoots the three really well. Irvin is playing some of his best basketball. You have Walton, uh, who can knock down some shots as well. But Oregon could score as well. I see defense 
being optional in this one. And it's going to be, I think, the first one to 85 or 90 points wins. I whoa whoa what what do you what what do you mean here? I think it's gonna be that high scoring, maybe eighty. I think Charles gonna be playing the seventies. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go with Oregon in this one. Uh, they have the best, they have the better player or the best player on the court in Dylan Brooks. Again, defense is is really dropped for Oregon with Boucher out, but I think they find a way to beat Michigan and end the dream run that Michigan's been on. Uh, I got Michigan winning this game. I lose at Kansas, so I think Michigan is going to win this game. Michigan is a one-point favorite right now, so basically you pick them. Yep. Uh, I think Michigan, Michigan's on the roll right now. They're on the roll. Very much can uh, get to that Final Four, and they're playing laps out right now. They can't do what they did against uh, Louisville and start so slow. You got to do a little better than that. They started a little slow versus Oklahoma State, but coming back from 10, 12 points isn't, as we've seen, isn't really a big deal in this tournament. But, uh, I mean, Oregon trailed for that entire game, came back at the win, at the end to win. Yeah, I like Michigan. Well, it, it, to your point about Michigan starting out slow against Louisville, Oregon can't start out slow like they did against Rhode Island or let, you know, go into a lull late in the first half because. If you fall behind Michigan by like eight, ten points, you might not be coming back. And uh, Wichita State and Kentucky both sucked, and they both started slow, and it was bad to watch. And it was what eight to six, like ten minutes in. That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, in the South region, this is at FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee, home of the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know how you're gonna cope with this one here. Uh, UNC against Butler. Ah. This seems like a win-win situation for you. No, I think North Carolina to win because I haven't won the whole thing. Any outside chance they have at any funds would be them winning the whole damn thing. Yes. Uh, should be should be a great game. I believe what I believe these teams played beginning of the year two years ago. Butler won in an upset. Was that in Maui? Um, I don't think it was. It was somewhere. It wasn't Maui? It may have been uh, that Atlantis tournament. It was somewhere down south um there was an upset then i mean butler just they're just very good at everything uh north carolina i'd say they're the they're the best team left in this tournament so i have them beating butler but again it's it should be a close game now the funds outside of it outside of this game i mean you like butler a lot so if butler did win it wouldn't be heartbreak i mean it would be heartbreaking from the standpoint well, yeah that- because then they- no, it'd be heartbreaking because my bracket would be finished. Right. I would be done. Right. So, no, I do not, I do not want Butler to win this game. No, I, okay. I like them. Okay. But by no means would I be happy if they fucking won this game. Okay. That would be no good. Okay. They played uh, three years ago, 2000. When the hell did they play? Jesus Christ. <laughs> when did you play each other, for Christ's sake? How many years ago was this? I swear to God. It was just a couple years ago. All right. Where the hell was it? Who the hell knows? Well, maybe it was two years ago, 2014. When did you go ahead? Two days, 2000, November 26th, the day before Thanksgiving, 2014. So two and a half years ago, they beat Carolina 74-66. Game was played in Atlantis. There you go. Okay, there we go. Uh, it should be a good game. The, the South region has the best games. I think that's. 
that goes without saying here. And the best game of the Sweet 16 is going to be UCLA against Kentucky. Uh, UCLA scores a lot of points. Lonzo Ball, probably the... Who would you take? Malik Monk or Lonzo Ball? Lonzo Ball. Okay. Is it close or no? Not really. No. Okay. Uh, I think UCLA wins this game. They just... They, they to me... Kentucky plays better defense, but UCLA's offense is really rolling right now. I like UCLA to take down Kentucky. Kentucky can obviously put up some points, but they haven't for quite some time. Uh, 97-92, UCLA beat them. Great game on CBS December 3rd of this year. Um, fairly close game, UCLA. Pretty uh, good comeback late in the first half, and they just kind of put the boots to them and went on for a five-point victory. Um, but you look at uh, what, what Kentucky has done, not counting playing Kent State. They played uh, 79 points against Cincinnati. That's impressive. Uh, 75 and a loss to Arizona. Uh, they played a lot of games in the 70s recently. 76 versus USC, 77 against Washington State. Uh, they put 98 up against Washington, who's terrible. Um, you have to put up 85 to beat UCLA. They are rocking. Um, they they got to be they got to be going pretty good. I just named off a bunch of goddamn Pac-12 teams. Let's get to the goddamn Kentucky schedule here. Here we go. All right. I would say they scored 65 against Wichita State, 79 against Northern Kentucky, 82 against Arkansas, 79, 71, 71, 73, 76, 72, 82. Playing a lot of games in the 70s against a bunch of shitty uh, Vanderbilts and A&Ms and Alabamas and Georgias. So Kentucky's offense has got to be a lot better. Should be a good game, though. Uh, one, I think we both agree, though, that UCLA, UCLA will ultimately prevail. The breakdown of the of the conferences, how they're uh, all, how they're, who's represented here, easy for me to say. Uh, you have the Big 12 with three. You have the ACC with one. That would be UNC. The SEC with four. Florida, South Carolina. Uh, Kentucky and West Virginia. The big... No, 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 no. No, no, yeah, no. They, do they just have three? Yeah, they just have three. I'm sorry. Big 12. Yep, the Big 12 has... The, the Pac-12 has three, UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon. The Big 12 has two, no, three, with Baylor, Kansas, and West Virginia. And then you have the West Coast Conference with... Gonzaga. So, uh, fairly even throughout all of this. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, but definitely for the ACC to have nine teams in the tournament and only have one remaining, it shows you that you can say what you want about the ACC being the best conference in college basketball. It's all about the matchups come March, and that's why it's madness. Like, you know, it is interesting. I think people put more stock in in that sort of thing how many teams make it to the uh, sweet 16 um instead of the past four months of, of last four months of basketball we say oh well, you know Louisville lost this and duke lost that acc couldn't have been that good no and south carolina won this game the sec must be really good i mean it, it's one game and there's some merit to it but i'll take the regular season and the 20 30 games that were played there um, obviously, everybody had Duke uh, going uh, a game further. Um, 
other ACC teams. Uh, let's see. I, I mean, I had, I think early I had that man, Duke and Carolina advancing. I had Florida State and Notre Dame advancing. And that was it. So I had four. So, I mean, I thought half of them were going to lose anyway. So. Yeah. When we When we talk next week, who will the final four teams be? Do I stay with my picks or do I change them? I don't know. I mean, if you want to stay with your picks, that's commendable. But if you feel that uh, as of right now, I mean, you don't have to be confident in your picks and say, you know what, I have these picks, but I think these are the uh, teams that are going to make it because they're playing the best basketball right now. Well, here's what I'm going to say. I think the Final Four is going to be Wisconsin versus West Virginia. I think it's going to be Carolina and Michigan. So you got an eight seed playing a five seed, no, an eight seed playing a four seed, and a one seed playing a seven. I think that's your Final Four. Okay. There you go. I will take. I'll take. Oh, boy. I, I said I would take Florida over Wisconsin just to be different from you, so I will put Florida in the Final Four. I will put Arizona. I hope Gonzaga gets in, but I just can't do it. I want to say Purdue, but uh, I'll go Kansas since I had them at first. And UNC barely topping uh, UCLA. So uh, UNC versus Kansas and Arizona versus Florida. So a four versus a two and a one versus a one. So we'll see how it happens uh, when we talk next week. But the Sweet 16 games begin on Thursday. Continue Friday. Uh, what is it? The East and the West regionals are on Thursday, or is it the Midwest and the West on Thursday, and the East and the South on Friday? I know the South's on Friday. The good ones are. I don't know. It's the uh, the East and the Midwest are the first day. Okay. And then no, the... I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. All right. Well, let, let let's pull this up here. And uh, then we do have a few other yeah. topics here to get to. Uh, the, the, the Midwest and the West are the first day, the East and the South are the second day. Okay, so that, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I am, I'm glad that Brian Anderson is calling a game. I did like that Ian Eagle and Steve Lavin called games down in Orlando. I thought that was good. Steve Lavin's good? Yeah. Yes. Ian Eagle's good? Yep, it was very good. Don't, don't know, don't know why Brad Nessler wasn't there. I have no idea why. Um, no reason why he shouldn't be. Is this Vern's last year calling games, or is he going to keep doing? Well, I thought he was going to do more regular season games, but I don't think he did any that I remember. And uh, he's great. And I would, I don't know. What he's seventy six. He's done with football. I'm sure he'll be doing master stuff in a couple weeks. Yes, he will. Uh, they can dust him off for the tournament. He's good enough for a couple of games there, I'd say. As long I, as you're not getting hit with the ball in the face, I think he's fine. Yeah, I think uh, I think he can last another year or two, so that would be good. If he if he doesn't, though, then Brad Nessler takes his place. I think that's um, probably pretty, pretty self-explanatory there. College basketball coaching news, because there's a lot of news there. Uh, Indiana fires Tom Crean because they're idiots. Uh, apparently, just because Indiana doesn't make the tournament this year and they had a, a lot of injuries, that's more than enough reason to fire 
Tom Crean, I guess, four NCAA tournament appearances in nine seasons as well. Uh, so that that's not great. Uh, and Indiana loves their basketball, but considering the mess that Crean inherited when he first got the job, and considering what happened this year with Indiana and all the injuries, uh, this this doesn't look good for Indiana. Huh? I don't think this. I don't think this is a good look for Indiana firing Crean. The, as far as I know, the little that I've paid attention to it, um, fan base was not real happy with the coach. I'm sure they're happy that he's gone. I wouldn't have done it. Um, you know, Indiana's fine. They're not a national title contender, but uh, they're kind of like, I don't know, that Notre Dame of football where they used to be good a while back. But, you know, I think you, you, know, you brought up uh, uh, with Archie Miller. Like a good bet to me. Archie Miller to Indiana. Uh, there's a lot of talk that maybe Greg Marshall could go from Wichita State to Indiana. I would hope he would stay at Wichita State, but then again, how many times is he going to be uh, satisfied with going 30-4 and four and being a 10 seed? Uh, so I think that's a name certainly to watch. I would hope he would stay, but uh, don't well, be surprised. How about this? We talk all the time about conference realignment and all that. Uh, Wichita State would be a perfect fit for uh, the Big 12. I'm sure Kansas would never let it happen, and they don't have football. But uh, Wichita State sure is uh, better than more than half of those Big 12 teams. Well, we, we, I, I had mentioned this a couple weeks back, that Wichita State is uh, rumored to maybe be going to the AAC, so they could be leaving the Missouri Valley, in which case that could set up a whole new line of dominoes, uh, possibly for the Summit League, too, uh, with perhaps NDSU and SDSU moving on down. But that's that's a little ways out. But, uh, I mean... What is going to be funny is you were kind of the first one that, because I really didn't hear about it, and you brought it up. And obviously nobody's talking about it as much as you've been talking about it. But it is going to be something, because this, whether it happens this year or whenever this happens, and some Missouri Valley team moves out, I mean, that's the SDSU, NDSU thing is going to be there. They say, oh, are they going to the Missouri Valley? And I would expect sometime in the next 10 years that they probably will be. Uh, so it's kind of good to look at this from afar, many years away, and see what's probably going to happen. Yep. And again, if you have two successful programs for the most part. I think it just it makes the most sense at this point. Uh, so so that's going on. Lorenzo Romar got fired in Washington. They hired Mike Hopkins, uh, Syracuse's assistant coach. Uh, he was the coach in waiting for Jim Beheim to retire. But with Hopkins taking this Washington job, Syracuse announced that Beheim has been given an extension. So that's great. So he can bash Greensboro for at least another couple of years. Uh, does does the fact that, that Washington acted so quickly to get Hopkins, they have a number of... High McDonald's All-Americans, high recruits coming in next year. How many of those players do you think will stick around with Hopkins as the new head coach? Not many. They already lost uh, Porter, the number one, probably the number one pick in two years. I'm seeing Illinois and uh, what Boise State playing in the NIT here. They're showing Brad Underwood. Speaking of coaches leaving, mm-hmm. Brad Underwood in the building at Illinois. Uh, the plane barely fucking landed from that Michigan Michigan loss. He's with the coach with Illinois. That, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, but I would say um, 
no, no reason to go to Washington in the first place. Don't know why he would go there in the first place. They've already lost their big recruit, Porter Jr., uh, you know, likely first round pick in two years or for number one pick overall. And where's he going, going now? To, going to Missouri. Quanzo Martin went to Missouri. Uh, he just kind of leaves wherever he goes every three or four years. Tennessee, Cal, now Missouri, and he'll be gone there pretty soon. Um, so I don't know why he's going to Missouri. Well, I do know why because they hired his dad as an assistant coach. I'm sure that's all legal. But um, yeah, Missouri's getting the best player in the country, and that makes no sense. Go, go to a school that's worth a damn. Go to, but you, know, you don't got to go to Duke or Kansas or Carolina or Kentucky. Go to a school that's worth a damn. Where are you going to win? You're not going to win at Washington. You're not going to win at freaking Missouri. What a waste of time. Jesus Christ. I go mean, somewhere that matters. Uh, now, does Missouri have any sanctions or anything going against them? No. Okay. Because I know they had, I think they were talking about with Frank Heath when he left, uh, because it's whenever he coaches, uh, there are some allegations afoot at that school. So I'm glad to see that's that's not going on. I think Quanzo Martin. I don't know if they'll get if he'll get uh, Missouri to the tournament this year, but he's a good coach. I think he'll get them uh, with Otto Porter Jr. here. in two years and I with Brad Underwood I doubted that he was going to be able to make the impact at Oklahoma State in year one I thought it was going to be year two I won't doubt him at uh, Illinois in year one I bet he makes the NCAA tournament next year but yeah that uh, that decision to leave that was that's very baffling Illinois almost made the tournament they were what 17 and 14 they were probably top six or seven teams out there they're two seed in the NIT so they were in that discussion somewhat. Um, who takes an Oklahoma State job? I don't know. Um, you know, Butler's head coach, Xavier's head coach, kind of the names on the list. Uh, Chris Holtman's, Chris Mack. Um, I think Oklahoma State's a pretty attractive job. Good team. I, I would say Illinois. I'll say no to Illinois. Um, but it just sucks that uh, the players have to sit out a year if they transfer, but the coach can... Literally, the day the day after his team season is done, he's going. I mean, that's yeah. amazing, and it happens every year. Yeah, the team is, and it happened last the second straight year. It's happened with the same guy. Yeah, Christ, the plane right. does. I mean, so obviously there's something in place even before the the game is over. Really? Because when whenever whenever your season is done, you're our head coach. All right, and he's getting uh, at least double. He was getting a little over a million. Um, in Oklahoma City, he's getting. Uh, think well over double that in Illinois. So does why he, why did he move? Because it's a money move. That's why. Does he does he have any ties to the Illinois area previously? No. No. Okay. It's all he's all Oklahoma Southwest. Now last Oklahoma. year when Chris Beard was the coach at Arkansas Little Rock, he had taken uh, he was with the Division Two or Division Three Monticello or Monticello down there in Arkansas, and led them to he had a pretty successful run with them. And then took Arkansas Little Rock in his first year to the NCAA tournament, and then he left for UNLV. Uh, and so the people are like, "Yeah, that that's great." And then he he wasn't even there a couple weeks. I don't think it was a week, and he left for Texas Tech because Tubby Smith left Texas Tech for Memphis, and Chris Beard was an assistant coach at Texas Tech. And a lot of people at UNLV were really upset. There were a number of people upset in general uh, in the college basketball world that Chris Beard did this. 
I have no problem with that necessarily because he has ties to the area. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just jumping ship for a dip for a better job. It, Texas Tech is probably a better job than UNLV, but at least there's a reason. He had ties to the area. He was a former assistant. He wanted to come back to Lubbock, and it opened up. So I'm okay with that. This Brad Underwood, I, I like Brad Underwood a lot. Of what he did with my Stephen F.A. Uh, uh, yep. Stephen F. Austin squad here over the last few years, but this move, I, I don't, I, I disagree. I just don't understand it. Uh, and you know, it's all about the student athlete, though, Krenz. All about the student athlete. Yeah, that's right. These student athletes, they're both players. They're, they're, they're players. Um, what with the with the Texas Tech thing last year, I, I it would that'd be tough for me to do that to make a commitment somewhere and say, all right. I'm leaving. I'm going to UNLV, and then less than a week later, that'd be like if you got a job somewhere uh, in radio or whatever, and then a dream, whatever your dream job would open up. You'd be like, hmm, what bad timing this opened up a week later than I than it would have benefited me more. And would you go? I don't know if I have the stones to do that. Say, thanks for hiring me, but I'm going to go and take a job a week in. Uh, I'd do it. Circumstances, but you would do it. Yep, I would. I mean, say, hey, no, I, I'm wow. sorry. This is, uh, in, in part because you can always say, hey, uh, the these two positions were open. I applied for them at the same time, and well, like, they, yeah, they uh, they were just a little later getting back to me. But this is a job that fits my skill set more. So, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, I'm going to take this job. So. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I mean, it, it would, I would feel very uncomfortable and I would feel bad for that business. But at the same time, you got to do what's best for you and your family, uh, at that stage. But if you were to jump around year after year and do that, uh, then I'd have more of an issue with it. But if this is a true dream job, I can't imagine Illinois is a dream job for Brad Underwood. Are you not watching the Netherlands and, and Puerto Rico right now? I am are you not. not watching this? The Netherlands are up 2 nothing. That's good news. No, no, no. Breaking news. Two-run home run. Carlos Correa, my MVP pick last year. Uh, Netherlands yes. getting rocked here early on, so it's 2-2. Two, two. Do do I assume you get MLB Network. I do. Because you get everything else. Or yeah. Anything that you don't get. Do you get MLB, uh, NBA TV? I do. You get everything. God damn, what do you got? Dish? Dish, yep. You get everything. Yep. And the Puerto Ricans, the Puerto Ricans have dyed all the hair on their face and head blonde. Carlos Beltran, 45-year-old Carlos Beltran, has a blonde beard. It looks old as shit. <laughs> That's very good. I mean, I do have to pay a pretty penny for the the Ultimate Sports Pack, but I do even get like the Longhorn Network, the Pac-12 Network. Oh. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's very good. Like I say, I've, I was watching Arizona State-Washington State one time just because I wanted to see the curtain of distraction for Arizona, that Arizona State had. That's how bored I was. Uh, but that there was college basketball on, so I watched it. I mean, I love college basketball. Sad to see that the season is coming to an end. A uh, couple other things here. Vikings have a new running back, Latavius Murray. They signed him from uh, Oakland. They've shut the door on Adrian Peterson's return. My worst fear, Krenz, is that he signs with the Packers and the Packers win the Super Bowl in the Vikings stadium this year. They can win the Super Bowl in two years with him. They can't win it this year. I want the Packers to win it next year, obviously. Um, 
Do you think he would sign with them? Absolutely. I don't think they, I don't, they see him up close. They know he's done. I said, they don't need to sign him. They might. I don't think they will. Wouldn't do it Um, out of like a revenge factor or anything like that? Green Bay's too smart, Zach, and Green Bay's too goddamn smart. Well, let's Um, hope so. I mean, there, I mean, there's enough, there's a reason why nobody's signing this guy because there's nothing left of him. He's injury prone. He's 32. Uh, I pose this question to the group. I'll ask you, what happens first, the uh, MLB All-Star game or Peterson signs with the team? Because mm. I, uh, I think MLB All-Star game happens before. I, I would agree with that because Peterson has long said, I don't like off-season you know, workouts and everything. Uh, and if no one's called him yet, it's going to take an injury or something's going to happen. It, it, he won't sign with a team for sure before April uh, before the draft that that I can I, I think teams might wait and see if they can land one of these top prospects these uh top draft picks the Leonard Fournettes uh Dalvin Cook Christian McCaffrey that could ultimately decide where Adrian Peterson ends up uh so I will say for sure he doesn't sign before the beginning of May but I, I think I would agree with you I think uh th- take the all-star break yeah because Nobody wants him. It's clear. Nobody wants this guy, nor should they. So I think this is his last year. Even if he, he may, I assume he'll play somewhere, Raiders or somewhere this year, but he needs to figure it out. And obviously he's a stupid son of a bitch. Um, he's, he's no good. Yeah, I and I am uh, very close to, uh, to giving up the Vic- or Vikings football for uh, might give it up for Lent. Uh, not really liking what I'm seeing from them this off season. Uh, I mean, I, I like the additions on the offensive line. I like them getting Murray. I don't like seeing Patterson go. I thought that was a terrible decision. He wanted to come back to the Vikings, and uh, Spielman's like, "No, you're no good. Uh, he's no good because you didn't utilize him correctly. Put him in the in the freaking backfield." Uh, that would be smart. Uh, clearly, the Vikings are not in that regard in letting Captain Munnerlyn go back to Carolina because they just wanted to sign the 28-year-old. He's only 28. Wanted to sign a one- to two-year deal. He wanted a little more than that. He got a four-year deal in Carolina. So, there you go. Uh, in- enough of that mumbo-jumbo. But- well, and, and as I said last week, I don't care about either player going. It's not going to make a difference to me at all. One's a kick returner. The other thing here, Tom Brady's jersey was found on Monday. Did you hear this? I'm glad we found it before they built the wall. Yes, because it was a member of the international media that took the jersey, and apparently he's done this before. Good. Uh, I think uh, they're talking about maybe Von Miller's jersey. Or a, a, a helmet. It's a helmet. I think a Tom, another one of Tom Brady's jerseys from the previous Super Bowl against Seattle was taken. Uh, this guy appears to be a piece of work. Uh, let, let's see if uh, we can get, get the name of this. Uh, great, it looks like job. Martin Mauricio Ortega. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to try to put in a credential request for this year's Super Bowl. From the radio station that I work at, with the idea of at least going to a game. Um, 
because it is in Minneapolis and I doubt it ever comes back here again. Um, well, I want to do this because, as we know, a ridiculous amount of media go, and this guy in that group of people that have no business being at the game. So if I can't fucking go, fuck the NFL. <laughs> Well, apologies I mean, this is Mo- this is a apologies, apologies to Moss Stacker for the language, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> I if mean, I can't go. Obviously, I'm not going to do anything. But this guy didn't do anything either. So, well, he well he did commit a a felony. I mean, he stole well, a jersey, and uh, but I mean that the Super Bowl is a big event. People from all over the world watch. You want it? You want to cover it? You, I mean, and plus it was in Houston last year. I mean, I I doubt that. Uh, that this guy from uh, Diario La Prensa, the newspaper, is going to come up to Minneapolis this year for the Super Bowl. I would just doubt that. Uh, bring Bleacher Report back. Bring Barstool Sports in for to cover it and uh, send a, a Spanish copy down to Mexico. There's going to be a lot of Canadians trying to get their way in here. Oh, well, yeah. I think uh, Winnipeg and uh, Toronto and... Uh, don't you know, uh, maybe we got uh, S- S- Saskatchewan will come and uh, Alberta. It's, it's cold up there, man. I mean, this is, a, right, that was that was Jamaican. I'm, I'm. Yeah, we, we apologize for that awfulness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what is more likely, to get credentialed for the Super Bowl or the Final Four? Because I'm going to do both. I don't expect to, to, to get a credential for both. If I got it for one, I'd be goddamn happy as hell. Uh, I will say the Final Four is probably a little easier. Really, I, I, I would say the Super Bowl would be easier to get to, like for media day, uh, the the media extravaganza there. But to Super Bowl, maybe not. Uh, well, there's there's a guy in Sioux Falls that goes every year, works in Sioux Falls radio. Um, obviously, he's got no business being there. There's no there's no reason for him to be there, but he gets to go every year, and. Um, so if he can go, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to go. Right. There's no, he doesn't serve any more of a purpose than I do. You know what we could do? Since we both co-host the show, <clears throat> the sports block just needs to get a pass. You well, you you try it. If I, uh, I'll find some information. I will give you the information there. And uh, I assume it's got to be on August, September, fairly soon, fairly early. Uh, let me get going. So, uh... I will put in that request. I know, I believe, uh, Marcus Tractor with the Mitchell paper will put into a request, and I like his chances of getting it. Yep. He's actually with, uh, with something. Um, if he can get it, I don't know why the hell I can't get it, but uh, I think he's probably going to go. So. Yep. Been lucky, lucky bastard there. I think he, I think he could sneak us a couple of passes. Just, just for clarification, his parents were married when he was sired. So just for. <laughs> okay, I got that. Very, uh, I got that there. Um, anything else at all that you would like to discuss? Baseball, we're two weeks away from the first actual games, less than two weeks away actually from actual games. Uh, baseball drafts in two weeks this year, very excited about both. Uh, getting, getting ready for baseball mode, I'm excited for the year. Twins are going to be awful, don't give a shit about them. Uh, there's 29 other teams to give a shit about. Um, old Baseball Classic has been, I guess, a success. Then it's been some exciting games, some exciting plays. Uh, people really don't care about it, but it's, uh, I'd say it's a lot better than spring training. 
there's there's some. I wish it was like every other year instead of every three years. And uh, it's and it's a good event. Good event. Um. You yeah. disagree, but that's fine. Yep, yep. That that's okay. Um, I you know, baseball is not my first or second or third Obviously. love, to begin with. And plus, I'm just so much more focused on the NCAA tournament and everything going on. For me, I, it's, I don't want to say the tournament's over, but it's, I mean, you don't have to commit a whole lot of time here the rest of the way. A Thursday night, right. a Friday night, a couple of, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. That's your tournament. I mean, you know, and then, you can uh, have a life now. Then, you can have a life. Yeah, and then Saturday night, uh, the following week, and then Monday night, and then you're good. There you go. Uh, yeah, so that'll be good. We'll have a baseball preview coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, next couple of months. But yes. Anything? And I will be uh, recording this, uh, one more thing, uh, this Saturday morning, me and a, uh, and a folk will be recording our National League preview for this baseball podcast that we're putting together. Um, we had the first episode up there a month ago, just an introduction, uh, National League preview. <laughs> This week and American League preview next week, and then uh, first week of the season will be here. It'll be three, four episodes deep, so we'll be talking baseball. And the uh, the podcast will be named the Twenty Eighty Baseball Podcast. Already up oh. on iTunes. First Very episode good. is up there. We're on Twitter. I don't know if we followed you, and maybe I think we maybe have. If we haven't, we will. Good. And uh, if you if you want this uh, program on iTunes, we can uh, we can get that uh, to happen. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, good stuff as always. Uh, I did hear a hiccup there, so you might want to lay off the squirt come uh, come recording the podcast. Oh, my heavens. I've eaten too many pineapple slices tonight. I've had a few too many jelly beans, so one of us is eating healthier than the other. Wow. Wow. I think that's you. You and your jelly beans. Tell you what. Yeah. Jelly belly jelly how beans. Do feel, how do you feel about... Uh, how'd you get on the jelly beans? I don't know. Um... I mean, I've always had kind of a sweet tooth. Uh, Jelly Belly, I guess it, it happened probably a few years ago uh, for sure that I the, the kick really got started. And uh, after that, I became more of a like a jelly bean snob and said, you know what? Starburst jelly beans are good during Easter, but uh, none of this other, like this Brock stuff, get that, uh, get that the hell out of here. I don't like it. Uh, any other jelly bean that's not Jelly Belly... Yeah, I did. Yeah, the 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 pectin, the the jelly. It's just not as good. Uh, give me Jelly Belly any day of the week, twenty four seven, three sixty five. That's a high class jelly bean you go with there. Yes, yes, I I know. I like I said, I'm a jelly bean snob, a jelly bean snob. But have uh, you ever uh, considered the flavored Tootsie Rolls? Yes, yes. I well, I prefer the flavored Tootsie Rolls over a chocolate Tootsie Roll. I don't like Tootsie Rolls. Uh, give me like the the key lime or the 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 che- or the just the lime or the the cherry's good. I like that. Don't like Tootsie Rolls. That the chocolate Tootsie Roll, yes. I like the little raspberry. They got grape. They got all the colors. Yeah, the, those are good. I eat those. I don't like the good. chocolate or the vanilla. Yeah, that's or, fine. Very, or banana. I don't know. Very rare, I suppose, to find a big bag of them. Obviously, you can rob a bank and ask for the. Uh, Tootsie Rolls that they always have, but uh, <laughs> I guess now very few places sell the bags of Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, flavored. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, if you were to go rob a bank, you would just ask for the Tootsie Rolls and then leave. Sure, sure. Hands up, everyone! 
Uh, give me your Tootsie Rolls, put them in the bag, and I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good as always. Um, yeah, anything else? It was 75 degrees here on Sunday. It's going to be rainy this week, or in the week, so we're, we're in every other week pattern. We're at 70 for a day, and then there's rain or snow. Welcome so, to spring oh. in the Midwest. Yeah, Monday was the first day of spring, so hopefully we're done with the 40s and the rain and the junk for a while. And... Uh, it's been it's been pretty nice up. Yes. Baseball is here, folks, so get excited. And I will see you Friday in Fargo for the West Regional of the uh, college ho- at the NCAA hockey tournament. Okay, I didn't know that, but all right. I got to work early Saturday morning, so that could be an issue. No, um, no, no. See, this is the games are on at two p.m. and five thirty p.m. You got again, that still could be that could, that could be an issue. You got you got North Dakota against Boston University at 2 p.m. and then Minnesota Duluth against Ohio State at 5:30 p.m. Uh, I mean, th- this makes no sense. You you want to know that there are four sites for the hockey tournament. There are 16 teams. Uh, they do have the Frozen Four. That makes a lot of sense. It's a very good play on words there. Uh, care to care to guess where these regionals are held at? So one's in Fargo. Yep. One got to be in the northeast. I don't know Pittsburgh, uh, Jersey. Yeah, and how about a little further north? How about Manchester, New Hampshire? All right, they're excited for hockey there. Um, you were close with Pittsburgh. There's another city. It's in. The, it's called the Midwest Regional. Philadelphia. Uh, nope. A uh, little uh, to the oh, south uh, and the west. Is it uh, Columbus, Ohio? A little further south, but in the same state. Cleveland. No, oh, south. Cleveland's north. Cincinnati. Yes. Because nothing screams NCAA hockey like Cincinnati, Ohio. That's the Midwest Regional. The East Regional is in Providence. So get this. The East is in Providence. The Northeast is in Manchester. The Midwest is in Cincinnati. And the West is in Fargo. Well, it is uh, geographically accurate as far as the Western one being the most West and the Northeast one in the northeast. Yes, and the Midwest, I guess Ohio is, uh, by all accounts, considered Midwest Great Lakes region. I, yeah, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting something, something on the ballot. Ohio's not Midwest. It is, according to them, but that's that's dog shit. No, Ohio, Indiana, no, you're you're somewhere else. Are you Great Lakes? Yeah. Is that is that what we classify them as? What do you well, cla- what do you sure. classify the Great Lakes as? The Great Lake states. Water body water. Um, so, you know, it's what? The U.S. is basically what? Four regions, five regions? Oh, we could maybe do oh, oh, more than that. You got the New England regions. You got the Mid-Atlantic. You have the Southeast. You have... Oh, you're going deep. You have the... Then, I, like, then that, that's where we get into question here. Do you have a Great Lakes region or do you just have a Midwest? Do you have a Southwest or do you have a South Central? You have the Rocky Mountains and then you have the Pacific. I think six is fine. Six is plenty. Um, there was somebody that did a bracket this year where every team, all 350 teams made the bracket. So there were like 18 different regions. Ooh, okay. Something like that. Um, SDSU was in the West region, even though Iowa and Nebraska and Minnesota were in like the Plain states. If, if uh, South Dakota's not in the Plain states, get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. That's right. So it lost all 
all uh, integrity with me was lost right there. As if they had any integrity with the 150 uh, or 358 teams in the... They weren't because, like, they had Gonzaga with four losses. Some was messed up with it, but it was very interesting to look at it. And obviously, it, it would be feasible because it doesn't add all that many games. It maybe adds, I don't know, four more games, six more games. It's not insane. Um, if they wanted to, they could do it. Oh yeah. Time, but I, I think it would. I think it would be a blast. But you're right. I mean, who who would love to play like Chicago State? Can you imagine Chicago State against Villanova or Kansas? Yikes. Great. That'd be bad. No good. Very good, Crins. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Less than two weeks away from WrestleMania as well, so it's very... Oh, yes. This is my favorite month. From Summit League to Baseball Opening Day slash Monday after WrestleMania. That's the best four weeks of the entire sports year. How about the Masters? You're going to include that in there? Nope. They cut it off at the Masters. I'm fine. It's a, I'll watch it. But I will uh, not put the Masters in there. It's fine. But, Ti- um, Tiger, if you want to, that's fine. Tiger Woods might not be uh, playing in this year's Masters. He should never play golf again. So that's what he should do. He should be like Adrian Peterson. He should both never play their professional sport again because they are no good at it and they are always hurt. <laughs> Very good. On that note, we say so long. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Thank you. All right. I'll see you later. Travis Crins, join us here at Sports Block Podcast. Tremendous stuff as always. Uh, yeah. If you miss any of this, you, of course, can always uh, listen to this podcast online. Uh, we post it via Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken. Otherwise, uh, on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Heard mention it. Maybe we'll try and get this uh, podcast here on the iTunes. That would be fun. Uh, again, listener discretion advised as there could be some swearing. But that's that's kind of the reason why we do the podcast here. Kind of, We knew there would be some more freedom doing the podcast uh, versus the you know, radio where you can't say the seven deadlies. However, we still like you to listen and hope you aren't uncomfortable with anything mentioned on here. Again, uh, the NCAA Regional Hockey ch- Championship or uh, Tournament that starts here, Northeast Regional, Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, I believe every game is on Friday, Thursday or Friday. It's something like that. Anyway, it's this week. No, okay, never mind. It's Friday and Saturday. So in the north, the Northeast and the Midwest are on Saturday. The East Regional and the West Regional are on Friday. So on Friday. In the East, you have number three, Harvard versus Providence. That's at 3 p.m. Then Air Force against Western Michigan at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. West Regional, North Dakota versus Boston University, Friday at 2 p.m. Maybe this is Central Time. Are all time Central? Maybe it is Central. Anyway, 2 p.m. Friday uh, from the Shield Center in Fargo. You have North Dakota, the three seed, against Boston University, the two seed. And then Minnesota Duluth, the one seed, number two seed overall, against Ohio State at 5.30 p.m. Saturday, in the Northeast Regional in Manchester, New Hampshire, the uh, Cornell against University of Massachusetts Lowell, Saturday at 11 a.m. And then uh, the Gophers, they are a one seed as well, number four overall, 
They take on Notre Dame, who will actually be joining the Big Ten in hockey uh, next year. That's Saturday at 2.30 p.m. And in the Midwest Regional, where if they get 1,000 fans or 2,000 fans for this game, uh, for this regional, I will be astounded. Number one, Denver takes on Michigan Tech at noon. And Penn State takes on Union at 3.30. These games will be on ESPN2 and ESPNU. So definitely check that out. It's going to be interesting stuff. Uh, we will have one, probably one final SDSU Sports Block podcast this week, wrapping up the basketball and wrestling seasons. And then we'll just kind of add what's going on in the world of SDSU Sports to the end of this podcast. Coming up in future podcasts, of course, we'll have the baseball preview, uh, the MLB season preview. We'll be talking plenty about NBA and NHL playoffs. We'll have NFL Draft Talk with uh, our good friend Jeff Floyd II from TurnOnTheJets.com. So that'll be interesting. But, of course, next week, again, filled with much more NCAA tournament talk, reaction to the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. It all gets started, uh, or reconvenes, resumes on Thursday on CBS and TBS. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff there. Tom Brady, again, his jersey has been found Hallelujah, valued at $500,000. And this guy, uh, apparently, as mentioned, not the first time he has... Uh, I, I'm sorry, I lost the train of thought there. Apparently, this isn't the first time he has stolen it. They stolen a jersey. Apparently, he did it for... Yeah, they did it a couple years ago. And... Yeah, Mauricio Ortega is the thief. Mauricio Ortega. So if I didn't say that correctly before, Mauricio Ortega is a ladron or thief. Stole Tom Brady's jersey. Maybe stole Von Miller's helmet. This guy knows what he's doing. International media. I think he probably covered his last Super Bowl. We haven't covered our last Sports Block podcast. Hope you, hopefully this isn't the last Sports Block podcast you listen to. So for Travis Crins, I'm Nathan Stacken. Hopefully, even if your bracket's broke, you still watch the NCAA tournament. It's great stuff. Uh, Going to be some good matchups this week. So watch with enthusiasm. We'll be back next week to talk all about it. Find this podcast on Twitter under... Uh, Andy Stacken, follow me on Twitter or Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Thank you so much for listening. Back next week here to talk more sports and see what else we can get into as well on the Sports Block Podcast.